Welcome to the podcast. I'm Carla Joy Treadway. I'm here to help you navigate nuanced conversations and explore topics that demand your attention and awareness. There is no topic off limits here. Together, we will seek to find the middle path, explore the polarities of darkness and light, left and right, grace and grit. As a writer, life coach, and seasoned yogi, I'm in the business of awareness and conscious action. I'm here to create space for the conversations that need to be had in order to create solutions that bridge the divide between humans. Sensemaking will use practical, logical, philosophical, and spiritual tools to help us gain well-rounded perspectives on issues that strike a chord. Let's get started. Hello everyone, welcome to the show. I am Carla Joy Treadway. Today I am interviewing my friend Julie Hagen, and Julie wants to talk to us about all things microdosing. <laughs> now, I think it's really great that microdosing and psychedelics is becoming more and more accepted especially as we see the intense negative side effects of pharmaceuticals, the pharmaceutical industry. I think people are really getting on the bandwagon here and seeing that there must be another way because the magic pills that we've been sold really aren't so magic, are they? And with more and more mental health issues on the rise, we see more and more people taking pharmaceuticals. And in my work as a coach, for most people, these things certainly aren't the magic pill. Of course, in this episode, we're not giving anyone medical advice. We're just sharing our experiences. And if this is something that you're curious about, definitely consult your natural medicine doctor, a doctor that you trust, but also always do your own research. Julie specializes in helping people who are trying all of the things and still not feeling like their optimal selves. She transitioned from, um, the, from law, <laughs> from a serious nine to five into this wild new career where she helps people master the microdosing process while pairing that with coaching self-discovery and guided inquiry work to help them move through the different shadows that comes up. Together, we want to destigmatize these effective natural medicines and help people take their power back by getting off the big pharma train. What's on the other side of microdosing? Possibly ease, joy, and the ability to be in command of your mental health. I love bringing you guys tools wherever we can find them, and this might be one to investigate. Before we get started with the show, um, I just want to pay the bills. This episode is brought to you by The Sovereign. The Sovereign is my membership series where I give you everything you need to handle a world gone wild. I help build you up so you have this unshakable sense of self, so you are rooted in your I am. Members of the Sovereign get weekly group coaching. 
an online wellness studio with practices to help them with their mental health, including meditations, yoga practices, workouts, and mobility and rehabilitative um, practices that help you be pain-free. So we're talking about a healthier body, a grounded and clear mind, a community that is extremely elevated and here to support you as you move on and upwards. But we also adapt with the climate of the world. Meaning, do we need to talk about finance this month? Do we need to talk about building additional streams of revenue? Do we need to talk about canning or gardening or securing food? Honestly, guys, we give you everything you need. But it all starts with you, building you up from the inside out. Our second sponsor is Purium. Purium is the greenest, cleanest superfood company that I have ever found. They have amazing, high-quality, non-GMO vitamins, but the thing that I'm addicted to is their 30-day cleanse. I do it multiple times a year, and I stay on a few of the products all year long. It helps me with my gut health, my mental health, my ability to detox glyphosate out of the body, and it just makes me feel amazing. The shakes taste delicious. They have every single healthy vegetable and fruit just made into a little powder. You mix it with water, super easy. I take it on the go. I give it to my kids. I give it to my dogs, to be honest. Everyone in my household gets this stuff. And last but not least, I take liquid collagen every single day. As a yoga practitioner, as someone that is very, very active, and to be honest, I'm getting a little older, I need some collagen in my life. Glow Liquid Collagen helps reduce pain in my joints. It makes my skin better. It makes my hair better. It makes my gut health better. And guys, if you've done my gut health workshop, you know that your gut health is necessary to maintain your mental health as well, as most of your serotonin, that feel-good, happy hormone, it's actually made in the gut. If you're curious about any of these products, check out the show notes. You'll find links to The Sovereign, links to my favorite products, and my community online. And with that, let's get into the show here. I'd like you guys to meet Julie Hagen. All right, everyone, welcome to the podcast. I'm Carla Joy Treadway, and today I have with me my friend Julie Hagen. Julie, welcome to the podcast. Hi, thank you so much for having me. So Julie and I connected on Instagram through a mutual friend, um, and Julie talks about all things microdosing, all things natural healing, anti-big pharma, and it just sounded like a really good fit for what we're doing here on on the show. Julie, can you tell us, uh, first of all, where are you, and a little bit about the, the work that you're doing with people currently? Uh, yeah, I'm in San Diego. Um, Sunny California, and I am a certified coach and a certified facilitator with psychedelics. So I facilitate using psilocybin, uh, magic mushrooms. You can microdose with lots of different things, and you can be a psychedelic facilitator with ayahuasca, 5-MeO-DMT, all sorts of things. But I, uh, I chose mushrooms, and I love the amazing 
things that they can do for people and their their brains and their lives. I have a guided microdosing program that has created such amazing changes um, with the people like that commit to the work, obviously, but really breaking out of persistent patterns that people thought they would always be stuck in because of the really awesome stuff that psilocybin, all the, all the changes it produces in your brain. So I love the work. Um, I love the community and I love giving people an option that doesn't leave them feeling like a zombie because I suffered with anxiety and depression and I did Prozac and the whole thing. And I just felt like this law version of myself. And I was like, there has to be something better than this. Mm -hmm. I went through a, a period of time where I started experiencing anxiety attacks for the first time. And uh, I've never tried an antidepressant, but uh, an anxiety med is awful. It literally substituted my anxiety with depression and just this meh, like, well, now I'm not anxious, but I don't care about anything, anything now. It was a horrible feeling, super drugged. Um, so it was through your own experience, feeling what pharmaceuticals feel like that made you decide, okay, there's got to be something better than this. Yeah, you know, and I have a science background. I was a lawyer before I became a coach, but I felt called to become a doctor for a long time. And I worked in research labs. And so I read these papers and I was looking at SSRIs and their effectiveness really isn't even there. You know, it, we had like some some good um, studies right when they were coming out that I think people have really relied on and toted their efficacy. But truth be told, like, they're not the end all be all that big pharma pushes them to be. And I was like, why are we giving people these things when they're, the results aren't there? And the way they make us feel is just so, it is, it's, it's numbing. It's like removing you from the human experience. I just had two people who were like, I'm titrating off and I want to start microdosing because I literally don't feel anything anymore. And like, I'm not alive. I'm just here. Mm hmm yeah, absolutely. So the only time that I've ever heard that it's been a problem, though, is if there is a, a, a certain kinds of psychiatric conditions. I have had friends that um, are bipolar or have schizophrenia. And then for them, psychedelics maybe isn't the best option for them. But wh what do you know about th that realm? Like when when is it a good time to try these and when might it not be a good time to try microdosing? Yeah, so very, I'm. It's very important to to have honest conversations with with people about where they're at with their mental health and conditions. Because um, if you were to be schizophrenic or have a history of psychosis, essentially, really breaking it down, there's like already a lot of serotonin in your brain, and that's what's producing these auditory, visual um, hallucinations, feelings of paranoia. And so, if you were to microdose um, and use, you know, psilocybin, which also increases and alters the levels of serotonin in your brain, you're like adding more gas to the fire. And so, that's not going to be supportive for you. But what it's great for is people who've experienced anxiety, depression, OCD, addiction, and PTSD, because there are very similar structures that occur um, in your brain and all of those conditions. And for people who maybe aren't experiencing any sort of negative mental side of or negative mental health condition, but who are looking to sort of like break into that next level because at their most profound psychedelics really help expand consciousness and give us new perspectives and shift and reach new levels of our potential that are otherwise untapped.
how do you know what a microdose is? Because I, I have microdosed in the past and I've taken so little that not high, you know, the world's just a little sparklier. I just feel good, but I'm not high. But then other people, when they talk about microdosing are in a sense dosing, you know, they're, they're seeing things, they're experiencing things. Is there, is there a definition of a microdose? Like if people are getting high, is that not microdosing? How, how does that work? So Dr. James Fadiman is the father of microdosing and he likes to tout this phrase transformation without intoxication. However, Fadiman would recommend a dose anywhere from 0.1 grams to 0.5 and to 0.5 to me, you're feeling it like you're having some sort of uh, conscious experience of whatever you're microdosing. So that to me is no longer microdosing because it is intoxication and not just transformation. I facilitate with the lowest dose. Um, 0.1 gram, and I follow Stamets protocol. There are lots of different mm, leaders in the field who have their own protocols, and they're created with the different intention and and to get different things out of it. But using that 0.1, unless you were a much bigger man, and I would recommend maybe you know 0.2 for you because obviously that's different. Um, you know, you have a different BMI and and metabolism and all sorts of things. But I mainly facilitate with women and the point one is enough to produce the positive effects in your brain without feeling that sort of um yeah tripping effect mm -hmm. and um all the companies that I work with produce capsules at the point one range so that to me is the safest most effective you're not going to trip it's a great place to start and if you feel comfortable in your microdosing journey and want to edge up at some point like cool. You know, I'm here to guide you and facilitate in that way, but let's all start at point one. Yeah, I agree. Sorry. I don't know what that noise was. Um, and it's my understanding too, like there are benefits. I like that you said, this is the safest because people do have incredibly beneficial transformative experiences from an intense high, whether that is a party drug or a prescription drug or whatever that is. Um, like I know back in my twenties when I was not doing this medicinally and I was just a bad kid, like having a time, I remember having like huge shifts in consciousness. I remember healing friendships that had like really deteriorated over one night of these. I know like ayahuasca is incredibly powering, even, um, weed. I remember Joe Rogan saying once, like the reason, like weed is supposed to make you feel anxious because it starts shining a light on the things that you need to pay attention to. And the first time I heard that, I was like, oh yeah, that makes sense. And for a lot of us who are anxious or even depressed, we're trying to control something. And when you're drugged, especially with some of these hallucinogenic drugs, there is no control and you are forced to relinquish control in that moment. But that's also intense and not everyone's willing to do that. So I, I love that you said that this is the safest way and that people can get these big shifts in consciousness without having to push on anxiety or fear or any of these things. Like it sounds like it can also be easy, just easy. Yeah, you know, I think sometimes we forget in this work, in this world, that pleasure can be a beautiful teacher as well. We think we have to learn through pain. Um, 
what people, you know, I kind of have two different experiences where people come to me and share two different pathways. One is this, wow, I suddenly feel great. And my mental blocks that stopped me from doing the things that I knew I needed to do have been removed and I'm high energy and things aren't bothering me and I'm feeling connected and in love and in purpose with my life and with the world. Awesome. Some people come to me and they're like, whoa, this came up and it felt intense. Mm -hmm. But that's why I'm so big on intentional work because my program gives you the tools to process the things as they come up and it gives you the space and it gives you the healing modalities. So it's like, yes, we're sort of unearthing this, but I'm not just leaving you out to dry. I'm helping you actually work through it because those are the same people who, you know, tried microdosing on their own or without some sort of protocol or without a program. And they're like, I started crying at the gym and I don't know why. And I feel so emotional and I want to stop. And it's like, oh, babe, but we're on the precipice of something so huge here. Like these tears are teaching us something. If we can lean in and process it, then you finally have let it go. Tell us more about like the program, like how, how do you facilitate that? So people are, are do they're microdosing at home on their own. Something comes up. Is there like a daily workbook? Is it like in case of this emotional outburst, like do this, like how, how does that work? So in the psychedelic realm, there's this phrase set and setting. And basically when you control for set and setting, you almost eliminate the possibility for um an ab reaction and so set is mindset you know the the way we approach things uh in our head and our heart when we go into an experience and setting is the environment so part of the program is learning like literally how to microdose following stamets protocol there is a calendar there's everything you need to know to get started things to expect setting your overall intention and then there's also a space of okay, you know, wherever you're going to do this on your on days, because you can't microdose every day, or you can, but you're, it's going to start losing its effectiveness because of the nature of psychedelics. Mm-hmm. Um, on your on days, what space are you creating in your home or where are you going outside? Because it is a very uh, natural and nature fueled experience. So sometimes connecting with trees and the grass and the sand, wherever you are is beautiful as well. Um, so setting yourself up for success in that way, because when you do go in it with these positive mindset shifts, which is why I have a a mini training video for every day where I speak about something, whether it be forgiveness or self-love or dealing with uncomfortable emotions. We're prepping your mind. We're priming your mind um, to go into it open-minded, but also knowing like you are safe, you are held, and this is a natural part of your healing experience, controlling the environment. And then every day there's a different, I'll say task in the program, right? So on the theme of forgiveness, there's a forgiveness hypnosis that I've recorded and there's a forgiveness task that you do after the hypnosis to help really finally and firmly let things go. Um, Or for sitting with difficult emotions, there's a meditation where I prime you to bring up the experience of something without attaching the story because that's oftentimes where sadness comes from. It's the story. It's not the feeling itself. Um, So there are very clear guides and instructions on how to do this work and how to feel safe and held in it. You can go through just the guide, the program. you know, take yourself through it, listening to the videos, following the instructions, and people do it multiple times, right? You can you can microdose safely 
um, up to eight times a year taking the breaks that you need for your brain to reset in order for it to continue to be effective. Some people want the support with me and they have that. We get on calls and we process things together to really deepen the integration and the breakthroughs. Um, both are effective. It really depends on what you want and where you're at. Hmm. And when you do this, it's always with psilocybin. It's always with magic mushrooms. Yes. Yeah, so every psychedelic modality, 5-MeO-DMT, LSD, psilocybin are different. They have different properties. I like to think of mushrooms as the gentlest way to get started in the psychedelic world. And it's also the one that I've had trainings on. I know the most about, so I feel most integrous and secure in my own facilitation to do it with psilocybin. Um, but yes, I focus just on that, but you can microdose other things. You can even microdose cannabis. Microdose anything. <laughs> My life, reality. <laughs> what, what's made you stop at this particular drug? Why not explore the other ones? Um, integrity is a big part of my work and I just, I feel really confident in this realm. Um, and right now I'm focusing on it and focusing on creating a certification and getting, uh, working with institutions like MAPS to get approval through them for my certification. And so, you know, I feel really confident and secure in, in the psilocybin. I feel like I really have that covered and I've created this opportunity for people to become facilitators themselves. Maybe I'll explore other ones, but also, you know, I work with a company, different companies in Canada and the U S where I know that they're where their spores are from. I know their facilities are standardized, clean, that they package things, um, you know, in a, in a capsule and it's exactly what you say you're gonna get. And it's combined with lion's mane already, which is a functional mushroom. Um, and I, I know the integrity of the product as well versus LSD, 5-MeO-DMT, uh, ketamine, you know, if you're like a licensed therapist, you can get ketamine and you know the quality of that work um, and the substance. But like with LSD, I don't have the opportunity yet. I, with, I hope with more legalization and opening up of this world that there is an opportunity for me to connect with someone where I could get a source that I trust to use LSD. But right now I just don't. So I limit myself to psilocybin where I know hundred percent that this product is amazing and it is what you say it is and it's safe um, because I want everyone to have a really beautiful experience as well. Let's talk um, legality, certifications, all of that. Like I know when I have bought like weed gummies online, I can, uh, mushrooms are just there. Does that mean that they're legal to buy? Of course I'm in Canada, you're, you're in California, so that might be different, but um, is it legal for someone just to go online and, and buy mushrooms right now? No, it's not. Um, you know, different states are opening up in different spaces. So like, and in different cities. So the Bay Area, San Diego, where I'm at, we're all opening up and it's becoming um, available to us here in select locations in Colorado. But nationwide, it's not. Um, I do work with a couple companies. Um, I protect myself legally because I don't participate in the sale of it. And I, I don't give you the, the psilocybin, but I do uh, open the door for you to go find it in a safe way, I suppose. Um, and know that you can trust the source. So that's definitely a concern, but I will say I have clients all over the country. I have clients in Canada and I now have 
people in the community in Europe and new companies that I'm working with over in Holland um, that get this, get access to this healing modality and it works and they've never had a problem receiving it. Why don't you think that they're legal? Is there a super unsafe history? Because we know that um, SSRIs and antidepressants and anxiety meds have, have really dangerous side effects, but they're legal, widely available, super easy to get them. Um, are mushrooms super dangerous? Why, why are they illegal? The short answer is because I don't think there's money to be made in them because they produce sustainable change and integrative change and it's not a band-aid, right? Like how quick are we? And I raise my hand and say that I have done this as well. After a bad day to have a glass of alcohol, right? To have a glass of wine. What are we doing? We're not fixing that problem. We're masking that problem. We're giving getting it to go away for a couple hours. We're pushing it down. But we're not actually doing anything to address the underlying issue. Whereas psilocybin is asking us to actually be, take an active part in our healing. And it's producing positive effects in our brain that's making healing more accessible and long-term. And you don't have to do it forever, right? I know lots of people who have been on SSRIs for years. Mm-hmm. And the goal isn't to microdose eight times a year, even though you can technically based on, you know, the, what's going on in your brain. My goal is for people to microdose a few rounds until they get to a point where they feel really good about life. And then maybe come back to it in six months in a year as maintenance and go through another round. It's just not a money-making activity. It is not something that's going to line the pockets of any United States lobbyists and the pharmaceutical industry. And when it comes to danger, you know, I think we hear so often about that stereotypical time in the 70s where someone took LSD and like jumped off a building or something. There's a whole other backstory to that one time, which was a very unfortunate death, right, of this woman in the 70s. But it it was used by the government as like a catalyst to demonize psychedelics when really that evidence just evidence just isn't there. And as I said, when you control for set and setting, you make the possibility of an ab reaction almost negligible. So there are plenty of ways to ensure a positive experience um, and not produce any harm. And let's be very transparent here. Plenty of people on SSRIs and other forms of anxiety and depression medication have committed suicide because it makes them feel sometimes even worse. So it's not to say that they're extremely safe, but they are heavily prescribed and available. Yeah. You had mentioned something before, maybe in our in our pre-talks about consciousness. You might have mentioned that here too, about these drugs expanding consciousness. And my conspiracy brain just has to start spinning too. It seems like there is a push not to, to keep people unconscious. And if you have a drug that makes people more aware, more present, more empowered, I can see that being a dangerous thing if conspiracies are true, of course. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm, half of me is very will and spiritual and half of me is very practical and science minded, right? Because I do know all the research and the studies behind this as well. But leaning a little bit more into the woo side, I feel like what people don't want us to do is to wake up to the fact that we are very powerful creators of our reality. And then we don't need to listen to 
the government to talking heads on the TV that keep us in fear, that keep us thinking that we have to do things that people tell us to do when we can really tap into our own internal guidance and feel what is true for me, what is best for me, and what is ultimately of service to me and the rest of the world. Um, and to stop this de divisiveness, right? Because whenever I have beautiful experiences on psychedelics, which this might maybe more frequent than other people, I feel so connected to my fellow man, to the earth, to everything. And I don't see us as different because of views or anything i i see it as part of a whole and i feel like the government is so desperate to keep us separated mm -hmm. yeah that that's been my experience not necessarily through a microdose but through like a, a heavier dose like actually mending failed relationships or like oh actually i don't hate you at all i actually i love you and and it didn't and it wasn't just in that moment it like fixed things and we were forever like good friends after that moment like it's it's incredibly powerful i remember uh when i was asking someone that does ayahuasca ceremonies uh and ayahuasca can be it can be dark it can be dark it can be scary and i had another friend in california just saying you know what don't even go there because you can take these other things and you'll learn the same lessons but it'll be like you said pleasure you can just experience pleasure and get those same epiphanies without having to go down into the dark or see something scary or for it to be painful those things are on the table for you well just experiencing a, an intense level of joy yeah and i think it's so interesting because people like i think there's a there can be a genuine desire to sit with ayahuasca like i have and i felt really called at the time but so many people are like i need to have this experience and drink this cup because that's going to be the thing that like enlightens me or it's a magic bullet and it's not mm -hmm. it's not about thinking we have to do something because we hear about it but like i feel like we could all use more dialing in with our inner truth and our inner compass and like what actually is something that my soul is craving and is it learning through pleasure? Mm. No, I love that. There, There is no magic bullet, even this. It's not just taking the drug or the microdose. It's that you use it as a tool and then you facilitate this work along with it. Yeah, yeah. yeah I think that's what people sometimes miss. They're just like, but I just want to, I just need to microdose. And I'm like, okay, well, you know, if that's how you feel, <laughs> then, you know, <laughs> I'm not here to tell you right or wrong or good or bad. I'm, I'm not the Wizard of Oz with my moral <laughs> compass and, you know, here to tout and tell you to be a good little girl or a good little boy. But the work really is the thing that makes these changes stick. Um, and I'm such an advocate for it because I see it work and I see it be effective. And I continue to have people come to me and be like, I tried to do it by myself and it just didn't really do anything for me. It's because you have to pair it with something. And I'm sure there are people who can do it and have their own tools, you know, especially fellow coaches and people in the work. But for most people, they're just sort of navigating this sea of uneasiness and not really sure where to go with it. That's interesting. Yeah, I, I, I've experienced both. Um, we had a, a death in the family once and, you know, I was grieving. And that's when I started microdosing and I did it for a couple months and it totally just made me feel better and I didn't pair it with therapy or anything else also I was grieving so it also just might have been 
time, just time paired with that. And that was like a support. But in that example where I was healing a friendship, I felt these pleasurable sensations. And then the work was actually being in conversation with that person in that moment. So there was work there, even if it was just like a, a one-time thing. I see how it, yeah, it, it pairs so well with talk therapy or with some sort of investigation at the same time. Well, I'm wondering, you know, you and your work, like, did you already have this work when you used it, when you paired it with the, the experience of grief? Like, did you have movement like, practices and stuff? Meditation, like I have a coach, breath work, um, so many things that I do. So you were kind of like doing the work with it. Always in the work. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, you know, it's a, it's a little different from someone who just like has never done any of these things and they mm -hmm. just try to microdose. Yeah, no, absolutely. So when was, when did you decide that I need to do this for work? Like you said that you were a lawyer before and you were taking pharmaceuticals and they just weren't serving you. Like what made the shift ages to try them in the first place, but then I need to do this for work. I need to quit my job and, and move over to this realm. Um, I, took acid on St. Patrick's Day when I was still a lawyer. And it was just such a beautiful experience and rush of love. Um, and I like wanted to call my mom and tell her that I loved her. And I had this moment where I really felt like I was Snow White and I was like playing with my cats and my dog at the time. And I was like, oh, this is just so lovely. And I didn't really know what was there. But that prompted me to start sort of researching and doing the science. And then I continued to use LSD and psilocybin for my own personal healing. And I, um, I got more into the work myself, into personal development, realized this career was not something that I wanted to pursue. And I started off this work as a um, very like straight line sort of executive coach and, and success coach. And I still have those clients. Um, I work with a lot of brick and mortar businesses about scaling and you know I build out org charts and I was a corporate attorney so those skills definitely transfer and help me to do that sort of mentorship in that way because I, I know business um, but about a year ago I started feeling like I was hitting a plateau in my own growth and of course I have every single tool you could ever want in my toolbox but I felt like there was something at a, at a neurological level that I just wasn't continuing to grow. So I started microdosing on my own and I was very open when I sat with ayahuasca on Instagram and I did lives about it and shared about my experience. And so I was like, Oh, I'll just document my experience with microdosing as well. I'm pretty open book. And people, there was just such a rush of like, what is this? What are you doing? How does it work? Oh my God. I want to know more. And I was like, you know what? Okay. I'll, just see if this is a thing. And I took people through what I took myself through when I started microdosing intentionally in sort of a beta round program. And it just has exploded from there and become this thing where now like over 75 people have signed up and done it in the last year. And it's like very beautiful. And just another reminder to me, like when we tap into intuition and inner guidance and follow what is true in our hearts and what we know is of the highest good like life it's beautiful <laughs> it'll take your breath away 
Oh my God. I bet it was extra interesting too when you started talking about this for the first time publicly because you were like, quote, a normal person with a normal job. And all of a sudden they're like, oh my God, Julie's doing drugs. <laughs> oh, I know there are so many people out there who like knew me from before. Like I grew up in rural Iowa. They're like, what is that? I'm sure my family, parts of my family are probably like this dang bat. Um, which I don't care. <laughs> like, call me a, a kook if you want. I'm happy. I'm successful. And I genuinely have love for the people who think that I'm cocoa bananas as well, which to me is like, that's a win. If I could look at someone who thinks I'm absolutely nuts and be like, that's fine. I love you anyway. That to me is like what it's all about. Hmm. There's so many people that just aren't happy. Uh, like I'm, I'm big into authenticity. I am completely uncensored on my social channels, in my coaching relationships, in this podcast. I have lots of opinions and I, and I lay it all out there when I'm sad, when I'm happy. And that's just such an interesting point. Cause a lot of the people that will be rattled by you too, are people that are not comfortable with radical authenticity with truth because you have to you're supposed to be a certain way um if you do do those things you know keep it to yourself don't don't tell anyone it makes people uncomfortable and slightly jealous when they're like oh my god i wish that would be kind of cool if i could just do what julie does but no i'm too scared and you will it's not just the microdosing i guarantee like you become so happy when you can just be unfiltered uncensored authentic and just tell people your actual experience because most people are fake they're censored they're holding back even if they want to do it they're like they're too scared would you say that like a big part of also being happy right now is actually just letting it all out there as well Oh, yeah. I mean, I was deeply unhappy as a lawyer because I was performing. And it was so interesting. I was thinking about this not long ago. I used to lie and about like dumb shit. Like it didn't, I don't know. I would lie about silly things. And I realized I was lying because I was trying to be whoever I thought someone would like in the moment. But really, when you are stopping yourself from being whoever you are, what you're actually stopping yourself from is the fullest gift from the universe, because there, the universe knows what's really going to light you up and, and bring you intense feelings of joy and humanness and everything. But if you're pretending to be someone else, it's not going to deliver those things to you because there's an incongruence between like your soul and how you're presenting. So you're really cutting yourself off from like the fullness of life. But it's also just freaking exhausting to pretend to be someone else. And when I first started getting into the work, um, someone told me they didn't accept feedback from like students in the group because they weren't living lives that 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 person wanted to live. And I really took that to heart. And I was like, I'm no longer accepting feedback from anyone who is living, not living a life that I want to live, who I don't think like I'm aspiring toward that. Because if they're not where I want to be, why would I give a shit about their true sense. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that's a really good point. So we know these things work with boosting joy. So serotonin, um, that 
actually just did a, a workshop on on the different chemicals of the brain. And usually most of uh, pharmaceuticals, they target serotonin specifically. And the reason microdosing works on, on well, it works on many levels, but it does, it, it increases serotonin, your ability to be happy. So I understand how that would work for anxiety and depression. Also maybe revealing some problems, making people more conscious uh, of the things that they need to work on. What about something like ADHD? I have ADHD. Um, I'm curious um, how microdosing works for that type of thinking. Uh, I, I believe that's a dopamine thing when you have ADHD, it's low dopamine. Are, are you aware of like the, the chemical process behind that, how microdosing would help with something like focus and attention? So what I'm really familiar with is like the different structures of the brain and how um, psilocybin quiets down certain features. So there are different structures in our brain and they're connected and they're called default mode network. Um, and it's basically the place we go in our brain where we're not present. So whether that's playing out a past conversation, um, fantasizing about a future situation, conversations that are really focused around like you, like, like I'm not good enough or what are they thinking about me and generally sort of like victim mode, but anywhere really where you're not present, you're in the default mode network. That's where we go when our mind wanders. And so what psilocybin does is it quiets the default mode network. It almost shuts it off and it allows us to be present more naturally, right? So, um, you know, the experience of ADHD, it's like, oh, there's so many things going on and I don't know what to focus on and I can't zoom in on one thing. But when we quiet these different structures in our brain and there's definitely like the dopamine is a, a factor there, but I'm more familiar with like the physiological structures versus like the chemical makeup. Um, it hardwires you for the ability for presence and allows you to drop in and focus. And so the first, one of the first women who came through my program was getting off a really heavy dose of um, Adderall. And it was really taking a toll on her. And now she's completely medication-free. She uses her microdosing protocol. She is actually performing better at work and she's able to access this presence and in the moment, um, in the moment attention to whatever is happening around her. Mm. I'm I'm just super curious just for myself too, because I've I've explored all the natural ways. Um, I've taken like natural supplements and they they were helpful to a point. And then I did try pharmaceuticals because I wanted to know, well, what does it do? And what it does is it gives you more ADHD, first of all, because it makes you like it gives you more of that energy. But the thing that's different is um you complete the thing <laughs> that that's literally like the last piece. And I also see why that's addictive, but so being someone that is an entrepreneur, a high achiever likes to do lots of things. I see how this medication is really addictive because what it does is gives me 10 times the amount of energy and I do the things I finish them all. But as a yogi and as a meditator, I can feel the energy in, in my body when I take this and it's like, it, I can tell this is not something healthy that people should take all the time. Um, whereas with microdosing, you actually just feel normal. <laughs> you just feel good. There is no bad energy along with it unless you take too much maybe. Um, and I think that's not what everyone is is present to. And this is where drugs can be really sneaky. Most people aren't even aware that they're physically ill. 
they think like severe gut pain is just normal and they ignore it and they go about their day. Um, they don't notice that they're always angry or always sad. They just kind of think it's normal and they ignore it and they go about their day. Most people aren't present to those like very basic things, let alone a subtle energy in the body, right? And if we're able to get off pharmaceuticals, then we actually get a chance to feel like what real energy is. Cause like that, that ADHD med gives me energy, but it's a false energy. It's, it's a, it's a buzz. It's not, it's not real. And it, it doesn't always feel that great either. Um, and that might be the biggest shift for people when they try microdosing, they're like, oh, it's not super intense. Like there's no intensity there. It's just normal. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so many, there's a whole section in my course about embodiment because so many people are not connected to their bodies. And I was one of them. I lost my dad at a young age and I didn't realize it until I was in my twenties, but I experienced intense dissociation and I didn't know how bad I felt in my body because my mind was so far away from it, but our body really leads the way. Our body has so much innate wisdom. And when you can drop into your body and start to notice what feels good and what doesn't and nourish it in a way that is supportive, it's like so much gets unlocked there. And I think that's also you know, not just big pharma, but like the food industry, there is something going on in the food in definitely in the United States. I don't know the same to be true about Canada, but like versus Europe and the ingredients that we use. And, you know, in Europe, you can like go eat pasta and drink a bunch of wine and blah, 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 and lose weight. And here it's like, no matter what you eat, your metabolism is slow. Do you feel sluggish? You gain weight. It's like, there's so much, there's so many chemicals and stuff in our food and it's really damaging totally off like not not microdosing but it's like when you notice what goes in your body you start to wake up a little bit well yeah people don't know what it's like to feel good they actually have no idea um like even during this like pandemic I, I remember Joe Rogan saying something about like he he knew he knew that he was sick the moment he got sick without there actually being symptoms because he's so healthy where, you know, when they were talking about asymptomatic spread, we don't need to go down the the COVID rabbit hole, but um, asymptomatic spread, he's like, I think people actually just have no idea that they're sick because they feel shitty all the time. And that made so much sense. Like, I know I'm like, I can feel it in my body when like, it's a full moon, like look outside, (laughs) you know, I can tell if the weather's changing. I can tell if I like, I'm sensitive to a certain food, but it's because I don't really drink. I don't really party. I, I meditate. I do all these like body practices and embodiment practices. So like, I know that's not people's reality. People are on a screen. People are really busy. People are always numbing with food, alcohol, intoxicants, pharmaceuticals. So they don't actually know what it's like to be in their body. So what you said about food right now is, is, true because they're if if you don't even know that the food that you're eating is hurting you and making you sick you're definitely not going to know if your ssri is is serving you either right exactly yeah it's a it's a big cycle of literal depression right we're depressing our awareness Mm -hmm. and our feelings and everything else and it can be sort of i remember when i first started 
feel like I was sort of waking up and feeling better. It's almost sort of overwhelming to think like, this is my natural set point. Like this is really what life is supposed to be like. But then you're like, no, this is amazing. And I'm going to ride this because we're just so used to being numbed out. Yeah. Yeah. I remember um, like, yeah, becoming sober, for example, that's, that's challenging because when you're used to riding those highs, those highs that we're not really supposed to get to, you think that sobriety is going to be boring. Like that's boring. And it is boring at first. It is boring. But then all of a sudden you get past that boring and you get to this new like internal high. It's, it's the same with caffeine. When you give up caffeine at first, it sucks and you're tired and you have a headache. And but all of a sudden you're like, oh, my God, what is that? And you feel energy for literally like the first time in your life. And I know that and I keep getting sucked into <laughs> into caffeine. But like I know when I don't I'm like, girl, you feel so much better. You are you have way more energy, way more awake but we just get stuck in these habits if we're not paying attention. Well, there's such like an instant dopamine hit, right? For so many of these like creature comforts. And I think really leaning into momentary discomfort in the service of long-term just beauty and bliss. It's like, that's where it's at. And that's like the learning curve. And that's what I find so many people are resistant to. They just, they want the, the hit in the moment. They can't delay the gratification. Mm. What's the biggest change that you've seen um, in someone in your group? I'm going to, I come back to her all the time. She was my very first client, but like it honestly makes me cry to think about. She had experienced depression for 10 plus years, clinical depression, depression. She had this big golden retriever and she shared that she would be so depressed like she couldn't find motivation to do daily tasks so she wouldn't vacuum and so a month would go by and there'd be these big hairballs of you know her dog's hair and like dishes stacking up and she tried everything right you're depressed for 10 years you've done it all she starts microdosing by the end of the first round she's like I can finally see the light at the end of the tunnel like even on days when I'm experiencing some depression I know that this is a moment it could change in the next moment the next day I feel relief month two, even better. She sent me messages like I'm cleaning my house on a Friday. Who am I? Like she, you know, has created her own yoga business and brand in her community. And it's just like to know that someone lived for a decade feeling like absolute crap. And now is who she was always meant to be. She's a beautiful yogi and she does pickleball and she's happy and she lives her life and takes care of taking care of yourself like Maslow's hierarchy of needs if you're not taking care of yourself like you can't get anywhere up the ladder it's such a basic thing but I just feel like it brought her so much more access to life Hmm. do people ever get like addicted to the microdosing I actually just had this one woman who had like a very positive experience is having a very positive experience like can I take this every day so we had to talk about you know, why you can, but you really can't because it'll stop working and the non-addictive nature of psychedelics and the whole thing. Um, but I was like, really lean into the program, right? Because it's not about, it's about creating the feeling every single day without the microdosing. It's about learning how to, now that you've accessed the feeling, how can you make that your reality without needing this 
other thing, right? Because I don't want it to become a crutch for anyone. What I want them to do, what I am teaching them in the program is to access it no matter what. It's to really integrate it into part of their being. Because with anything with manifesting, right, you're not manifesting, you're not looking for the love of your life for the person. It's almost like you're creating a feeling within yourself, right, of, of love and connection and joy and bondedness. It's like the, the feeling is always accessible from within. And that's what's important to remember in this process and not look at it as something that you need, right? Because I don't want to create another dependency. I want to create liberation. You're reading my mind because that's literally the thing that I was going to say next. I've been doing lots of manifestation work with some very, very good teachers. And, and what we do is first we get into these blissful states. And then once we're in bliss, once we're in pleasure, then we like smack on this belief that we like don't really quite believe yet. And you like attach it to the feeling of pleasure and bliss. And you keep repeating that process. And that makes so much sense because otherwise you can say things to yourself all day long. You know, I'm rich, I'm successful, I'm good at what I do. But if you're saying those things, but you feel disgusting, if you feel angry, if you feel scared, it just doesn't work. So you pair the belief with the feeling and you just keep repeating that process. And that's how we change our brains. It's pleasure plus belief. So cool. I do, I facilitate breath work, like transformational breath work. And so I'm actually gonna do it this week, but I call it Jules Gems breath work because you get into these heightened blissful states through the breathing practice. It's a lot like holotropic breathing. And then I spit out these like, you know, positive mindset shifts at you while you're breathing and I make you say them out loud with me and it's like yes that's the subconscious repairing and that's where it really sinks into a knowing um I'm coming I'm free <laughs> I'll send you the link <laughs> <laughs> uh is there anyone that this hasn't worked for that had a negative experience or maybe they wanted to join your program and you said uh you know maybe it's not a good time for you is what about those stories so I had one friend who um, is schizophrenic. And so I just told him, you know, this program isn't for you. But if you want to go through the program and not microdose, like you can do the work, you know, and, and it'll, I, I have a good feeling for you. And so he did it and he had some beautiful experiences without the microdosing. Um, but that's why I have, you know, discovery calls and we talk about these things like where you're at and what medications you're on. Um, but there was a woman who recently joined the program and she, so sometimes there is like an initial discomfort of like nausea or headache um, and protocol I work with pairs with niacin. And so for people who don't know that can produce a, an intense sort of flush and some people it's really overwhelming. And so I tell them like, just don't take the niacin, but she definitely, you know, had discomfort come up. And I was looking at it as like anxiety as a teacher, right? Like anxiety is here to show us something. Ultimately, though, um, she was doing some other work um, with like the Akashic Records and she was she had a full time job and was a mom. And I just said, you know, maybe let's take a break and wait until you have some more space, because it sounds like I actually just went live and talked about this. But there becomes a point in the experience of something where your nervous system is in such a heightened response that it's no longer productive. And I know people with anxiety know exactly what I'm talking about because you get into your head and you're just so stuck on something and you can feel the cortisol, you can feel the cortisol and the adrenaline spike in your body. And it's so tense and the work is no longer productive because you're in a trauma response because your nervous system is not in a place where you can actually do the work. 
So you have to shift your state or wait for it to come down in order for that to be effective. And I was like, I think there's just too much going on for mm-hmm. you. Um, on the other hand, some people have the work where they really like a lot comes up and, you know, they work through it. And if you're aware that the work is important, then you're like, okay, I'm going to see this through because I know like the next round or maybe even the next module, I'm going to feel different. But if you're not used to it, sometimes you can get dissuaded from it. But if you stick with it, I promise you'll have a beautiful breakthrough. Um, but it's really literally about breaking through and being committed to the work. Mm. Yeah, and she might have just been in too many programs at once. Sometimes I turn away clients if they're already working with a coach because same reason, it's it's too much. We don't want to, people just like to like learn and learn and learn and like take, take, take. But you're like, no, you got to learn, take time, process it, embody it, use it, turn that into knowledge, right? Um because I've been in those experiences too. And and when you, when you're getting coached by too many people or learning too many spiritual practices at once, you really start getting stuck in your head. It's, it's a lot. And all of a sudden people start obsessing about all the things that they're learning. And they're like, Oh my God, like I've, I've learned all these really cool things about myself. But then instead of being in the present moment, they're constantly thinking about like their human design and their astrology and their wounds and their shadows. And they start thinking about all of those things too. It's just too much. It's just too much. <laughs> One thing at a time. It really is. Yeah. It's really important to be intentional in the work and you know, I love to look at my business from an analytics standpoint, but it's like, unless you really commit to something and sort of don't do anything else for a month or so, you don't know if it's effective. So when you're trying to do everything, it's like, is this the problem or is this really the problem? Or is this really the problem? Because there's so many feedback loops. Yeah. I'm like that with health. I try like five different diets at the same time. I'm like, it's not working. <laughs> like, but which one? <laughs> Oh, so where do you see this program growing? Where, where would you like to take it next? Um, I want to bring this work to as many people as possible. And I see myself being a facilitator and trainer at a very large level, um, especially when things become legalized um, nationwide to be out there at a much bigger scale because I'm doing it now in a small group, but getting on stage and, and helping people facilitate with psychedelics um, and partnering, this is right now in the works, partnering with different microdosing companies uh, such that, you know, they are selling the protocols, but they're recommending people do the intentional work and do my program um, because it is most effective when you pair the work with the microdosing. I actually went on a date and the guy was like, so it's like taking steroids, but not going to the gym. And I was like, weird example, but like, actually, yes. And I'm going to use that. So this date was now worth it. <laughs> um, yeah. And just breaking the stigma, letting people know that it's not about tripping. Um, I do do some macro facilitation for people who, who know me and I see people on journeys, but this experience in microdosing is not about the trip. And honestly, I just want to continue to be a stand in this world and to show people that regardless of preconceived notions, who I am is a person who has genuine love for her fellow man and meeting those people who are very skeptical and maybe even judgmental with love again and again and again. 
because, you know, life isn't easy for anyone. I've definitely come up against some hardships, but I have continued to let life soften me. And I will be committed to that for the rest of my life. I actually had that realization on my last macro journey with psilocybin. Um, but I'm a lover. I'll always be a lover. And I think the more I can lean into love, even in the face of criticism, is my biggest strength. Oh, my God. That's so beautiful. I love that. Allowing life to soften you. Yeah, I don't get hard. I get softer and more cozy and just I lean in. Well, if that doesn't sell your program, I, I don't know what. Would, <laughs> There's a lot of people right now getting bitter and angry and fearful and sad. And it is the time to to soften. That's so beautiful. Yeah, I mean, be aware for sure. Like be prepared and be conscious, mm -hmm. but don't let it drive you into a fear response because that's what people want. They want you to be afraid because it literally weakens your immune system and makes you more susceptible and on edge versus like Zen present. <laughs> mm -hmm. No, I couldn't agree more. When when you're scared, you don't, even on the most practical level, you don't think well. Like you, mm -hmm. you can't think straight. You can't do what you need to do. And the more of us that are able to tap into joy and pleasure, no matter what's happening in the world around them, the better prepared they'll be. And you win no matter what. A, you get to be happier today, but also you're going to be more clear so you can actually do the things that you have to do. If things get wild, then yeah, <laughs> you're prepared. Plus you'll get to laugh more. So laughter is the best exactly. medicine. I love that. It really is. I laugh every day. I cry almost every day too. Like I've, I experienced the full range of human emotion and I love that. Oh my God. Are you a cancer? We're doing an astrology workshop today. I'm a Libra. Okay. I'm cancer. So I'm all the things all the time, angry, sad, mad, happy. <laughs> my best friend is a cancer. She's definitely a cancer. <laughs> God love her. Uh, well, my interest is super peaked in, in all of this. I haven't um, revisited microdosing in a really, really long time. And I have been doing lots of studying on, on the brain and how it works. And I have a ton of clients right now with anxiety and I have a lot of practices that work, but it is great to give them another tool. Here's a, here's another thing that you can try and maybe it'll work well with you. Um, if people want to learn more about your program, about microdosing, where can they find you? Come find me um, on Instagram. My name's Julie Savone. My middle name is Savone. Um, maybe we'll put it in the show notes, but it's C-Y-V-O-N-N-E. Um, you can also find my website there um, and that'll take you to a landing page where you can learn more about my program. Uh, but you can always come jam out with me on Instagram, send me a DM or use the link in my bio to book a call and we'll talk about whether it's a good fit for you. Um, there's also lots of content there about you know, uh, rigidity in the brain. So people with anxiety have a lot of rigidity. That's oftentimes why they can't make a change. It's because our brain is uh, designed against us. But if you want to learn more about what it's good for, how it works, like it's all there and you can watch, watch the reels and stuff and, and be your own little scientist. Amazing. Awesome. Thank you so much, Julie. I'll, I will definitely be in touch and I'll make sure that those um, contact points are in the show notes here too. If any of you find people that are listening, want to, want to come find Julie. Oh, thank you so much for having me today and for facilitating this conversation. It was really fun. Anytime. Thanks, Julie. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you find value in the things that we're offering here, please consider hitting the subscribe button. 
and tuning into us weekly. We bring in the very best experts in their field. We bring in critical thinkers, the sense makers, and of course, all the people that are canceled because <laughs> they are the ones that deserve a voice because you guys know there's something nutty going on in this world. So let's bring all the people on that have a story to tell, that have an opinion, that want to poke holes in these common but totally nonsensical narratives that's what I'm here for. If you guys have a suggestion for someone we should have on the show, or if you'd like to be on the show, send us an email to carlajoytreadway at gmail.com. I love to hear from you guys. And if you like today's episode, share it to your Instagram stories. Tag us, Carla Joy Treadway, and we'll make sure to tag you back as well. So you get access to our audience. People see that you're liking the show and it helps us get this content out there for anyone that needs to take a listen. So again, if you find this content valuable, if it serves you, if it will serve someone that you know, think about sharing it to your stories. We would greatly appreciate that little bit of extra effort. Thanks as always, guys, and we will see you next time.